Welcome to the Campus Christian Fellowship Podcast for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. This week we are continuing our series on sharing and sufferings by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So as a reminder, we kind of had a brief look through the kind of timeline of Paul and and his um, work with the church in Corinth. And part of that was uh, that Paul, within his letter of 1 Corinthians, had actually talked about a few times when he was planning on visiting uh, Corinth, and then what actually happens in reality is he isn't able to make those visits happen the way that he wants to, um, because he ends up making this painful visit that's kind of hard, that he kind of has to bring some hard truths to the Corinthians, and and so because of that, Paul doesn't make as many visits as he was originally planning, as he lays out in his letter uh, that we know as First Corinthians. Uh, so that within that, uh, Paul actually addresses the how his travel plans have changed in Second Corinthians. Because one of the things that happened with Paul's uh, opponents in Corinth is they were saying, look, Paul's not very trustworthy. He said he was going to come visit us all these times, and then he didn't come visit. And so he actually has to like defend his travel plans. And um, the second half of... Uh, chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians that we didn't talk about last time is actually Paul basically defending his travel plans, saying, hey guys, plans change. Sometimes that happens. Like, that doesn't mean I'm less of a pastor or less of a person that should be listened to. I'm still the dude that started your church. You should still listen to me. I didn't, wasn't able to visit you. And frankly, if I had visited you, you may have regretted it because I don't know if I could have come. Like, I didn't need to make another painful visit I needed to see some results. I needed to see some change so I can make a joyous visit, which is what he's bringing up in 2 Corinthians. He's establishing, guys, things have been going a lot better. I'm going to come and visit you again and celebrate with you this time instead of just grieving you and taking you to task. Uh, So let's just get into the text and see what Paul is saying in the second chapter of 2 Corinthians. We're going to start with verses 1 through 4. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you, For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did, so that when I came I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy, for I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. One of the difficult things about uh, that's going to be difficult teaching through 2 Corinthians this semester is that letters to the Corinthian church, both 1st and 2nd Corinthians, but maybe even more so 2nd Corinthians, are fairly personal letters. He cares very much about the church in Corinth, and, and he sheds tears over them, and there's anguish when he, when he has to write harshly to them. And so it can be hard sometimes to extrapolate things from that. Well, what do we know from that? This is a really personal letter, and this is very much uh, addressing things that are going on in Corinth. How can we apply this to our lives? We're not the Corinthian church. Um, so it's going to be difficult sometimes, and in some chapters, it's going to be hard to know exactly 
what we could teach. But I think there's still going to be things that even if they're personal interactions that are happening, uh, one of the things that Paul said in 1 Corinthians is to, is to imitate him as he imitates Christ. And so I think we can learn from the ways that Paul interacts with the Corinthian church uh, and, and just some of the other things that are going on. There's maybe some more general concepts that we'll be able to pull out of Second Corinthians. And so I think this is actually one of those weeks when we're going to be able to pull some general things out from a really specific personal circumstance that's happening with Paul. And it's a reminder of this personal nature that within this text here of verses 1 through 4, Paul's talking about how he doesn't want to grieve them because he wants to be celebrating with them because he knows of how much joy that they bring him of when he comes to the church in Corinth and he sees the church that he planted and that he started, that he poured into so much of his life and the people that he got to know so well and care so much about that he wants to see them doing well, living out those kingdom callings to be good ministers in Corinth. And he wants to be able to rejoice with them. And so he's so happy that there's been some change, that some, some things have been happening, that, that some of his opponents have been shut down. And so that he can come to them with rejoicing instead of with grieving. So let's actually look at the very next, and this is the main focus that we're going to have at this time uh, is going through verses 5 through 11 of the second chapter of 2 Corinthians. So let me just go ahead and read that. If anyone has caused grief, he's not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes." So within this, again, Paul seems to be addressing a very specific occurrence, a very personal thing. And I think here he's talking about an opponent of his, maybe even a very specific opponent. And from um, the, even though he talks about it in general ways and says uh, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him. It seems like Paul maybe even talking about just one person who is a pretty big opponent for Paul. And the church has apparently responded in actually punishing uh, for his disagreements for Paul, for standing in opposition to Paul. Um, there are some scholars who even think that when Paul talks about, in the previous chapter, the issues that he had in Asia, it was essentially just the reports coming back about his opponent in, in Corinth and how much anguish he was facing and, and maybe even some depression and some emotional just stress from the fact that there's someone that was so vehemently against him in Corinth and just what that was doing to the church and that he addresses now that uh, that opponent has actually just been punished. Now the punishment, again, hard for us to know for sure. Paul's really general here. Uh, most likely knowing kind of church discipline and the things that would happen. It was some sort of like excommunication disfellowship of this dude um, that he was removed from the church in Corinth. The cool thing here is that Paul wants to know wants to let his opponent know that he has been forgiven, that the punishment should end, that he should be welcomed 
back into the church and extended love and grace and mercy and that he should know what it means to be part of the fellowship of believers that we can forgive. And I think that's the thing I, I want us to be taking from this passage, that idea of forgiveness and how important forgiveness is. Even if it's someone who completely disagrees with you, who's your opponent, who can cause problems for the church because of your disagreement. That while there are times for punishment, there's also times to say, hey, that's enough. Let's welcome this person back. Let's forgive this person. Let's love this person so that they can be part of the body of Christ again. That, that's one of the things that I think sometimes we forget to talk about when we talk about church discipline and punishment is that we seem to level it out and make it seem unending. That someone should be cast out and never allowed to come back. But that never seems to be the way that Paul talks about it, the way that Jesus talked about it. That what we should be extending to someone that has been disfellowshipped, excommunicated, kicked out, is that incredible amount of love that makes them want to be part of our fellowship again. That when we extend love and forgiveness and say, that's enough punishment, that they're desiring, wanting to come back. Because a lot of times what church discipline looks like is telling somebody, no, you can't be a part of us anymore. And it being such a hard and difficult experience that they never want to be part of the body of Christ again. Not only do they not want to be a part of our church, but they don't want to be a part of any church. They don't want to have anything to do with Christ because of the way that they felt abused, the way that they felt hurt by the church, even if it was some sort of punishment, even if they were the wrongdoer in the first place. We met out the punishment in such a way that they don't ever want to have anything to do with Christ ever again. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to extend such love and forgiveness that everyone wants to be a part of what we're doing. And I think that's what Paul is modeling here. That's what Paul is talking about here. He says, yeah, there's a guy that disagrees with me. There's a guy that caused factions in the church. There's a guy that caused these divisions. And you guys have taken appropriate action. You've disfellowshipped him. You've put some distance. But enough is enough. It's time to love him. It's time to let him back. It's time to let him know that he is forgiven, that I've forgiven him, that you've forgiven him. And know that anyone that you choose to forgive, I'm going to forgive too. In, in my own life, I, I, I struggle with forgiveness. I, I think most humans do because it's hard when we've been wronged. We often desire retribution, revenge. We even say we need justice uh, when and sometimes I think what we want is, is much further than just. Let me share a story. My first, ex my first job in ministry working in a church um, was, was a smaller church in, in my hometown. It was while I was still a seminary student. Uh, I worked at that church part-time, um, partially because that gave me time for my studies, but mostly because the church couldn't afford to make me anything more than part-time. Um, but there was a couple other people on staff, and the lead pastor 
uh, is a man that I very much treasure to this day. Um, another pastor on staff, the associate pastor, we didn't see eye to eye. We had um, some difficult interactions. Uh, there are some things that uh, I felt like he treated my wife rather poorly. Um, and it was just uh, hard interactions. Things that were a difficult experience for me for my first time in ministry. Uh, that would have been a difficult experience for me at any point in time in ministry. The reason I bring this up is because I never took the chance to forgive him directly. What I did instead is I endured, I carried on, and then when I had the opportunity to get another job in ministry somewhere else, I left and I ran away. And And I'm worried that I learned from that that I can just escape. And I don't need to worry about forgiving people that have hurt me. That I don't have to process through that. I just can go and leave. And there's still going to be difficult times. Um, there's been some difficult times recently in, in ministry and, and with people within the church that have, that have wounded and hurt me that I haven't addressed because I felt like I learned from an early interaction that I could just ignore it, brush it under the rug, and then move on. But I'm in a place in ministry right now where I don't want to move on. Uh, I think God has called me into ministry at at this campus, at the University of Iowa, to pour out on college students. And so even if things are difficult right now, what I need to do is seek people out who have hurt me and let them know that I do forgive them. Now, now, uh, there's a lot to process through with that. Um, Sometimes you're not ready and you shouldn't immediately go forgive someone because then you kind of end up wounding someone. You can be a jerk when you forgive someone. You can't just go up to people and say, You're wrong. You hurt me, but I forgive you. That's more like retribution and revenge than forgiveness. What you can do is come up to someone and say, I want to share something with you. We've had some interactions that that have hurt, that, that wounded me, that what you said about me, what you've implied about me, what you've done to me has not been good. It's not the way that we're supposed to treat one another. And so I want to let you know that it hurt. But also I've been working through it. I've been praying about it. And I feel like I'm at a point now where I can forgive you. I also want to know where you're at, where our relationship is. Um, I, I imagine that there's some things that I've done or maybe hurts that I've caused that, that I'm not aware of. And I, I want to apologize for those. I want to see how I can repair those. 
Uh, I, I want our relationship to be even better than it was before. And so how can I help? What can I do? What can I apologize for? How can I be better? And I think when we go about forgiveness that way, we do a better job of restoring things, of, of helping the kingdom to God look like it, how it's supposed to look. A place of forgiveness, a place of love, a place of grace, a place of mercy. Now I am speaking mainly for interactions within the church. You obviously should be extending forgiveness to everyone in your life um, as much as possible. It's just that it's it's hard. But the reason why I'm talking about people in the church is because, for one, that's the situation that Paul's addressing here. But also I think that sometimes that's where our deepest hurts come from. Because we feel like the people in the church, the people of God, are the people that should know better, that shouldn't even be hurting us in the first place. And so sometimes those are the wounds that cut the deepest. Those are the wounds that we probably need forgiveness for in the most and, and the ones that we're most called to forgive. And so I think we owe to ourselves to analyze those relationships, whether they be family relationships, friendships, um, more casual relationships, uh, that, that we need to know where are places where we've been hurt and confront those things and have honest conversations with people and pour out our love and grace and mercy and forgiveness on them. But I know that's a really hard thing to do. And it's one of those things that I don't necessarily have a whole lot of practical advice for because again, I've avoided a lot of those interactions. I haven't extended forgiveness face to face to people because I don't like conflict and I want to avoid it pretty much at all costs and so I haven't done the things that I need to do to forgive people to apologize to people to try to make things right we have we serve we love a God who restores On and on and on throughout Scripture, one of, the, one of the themes that comes up over and over again is about how God restores right relationship, that He is a God of reconciliation. That's what He's constantly calling us back to, to be people of reconciliation, to be people after His own heart, to be people who make things right, to be peacemakers. And so that's something that I want to do more of in my life. And that hopefully in a year, I can give you more practical advice. We can have a conversation. I can let you know what that's looked like. But right now, I still got some work to do. To be what God has called me to be. To be someone who reconciles. Someone who makes things right. But I pray that by listening to this today, you've thought about those relationships in your life that you need to extend forgiveness, that you've maybe held on to something for too long and it's, it's hurting you. 
and you just need to forgive and love. I guess that's one more thing that I want to bring up is that Paul does something pretty cool here too, where he does more than just forgive this guy. I think he goes to that next step of making sure that he feels loved. And I kind of address that saying in some of your interactions about how you can go about that, how you can say, how can we make this better? How can we improve our relationship instead of it, it's been hurt? But he wants this person that's wronged him, his opponent, to come back into the fellowship, to feel the love and grace and mercy that comes from the people of God, that's supposed to come from the people of God. And so he does more than just say, I forgive you, and then moves on. He says, I forgive you. Come back to the church. Be a part of this. We don't want your punishment to be something that just endures so that you don't want to have anything to do with us. We want you to know this love, this forgiveness. We want you to experience that. Please come back. Be a part of this. Your punishment is done. Not only are you forgiven, but you are dearly loved. And so I think in our interactions, not only should we extend forgiveness, but we should make sure that we're doing the next step and we're extending that incredible God kind of love. How can we make this right? Hey, thanks for checking us out and spending some time with us this week. Quick reminder, if you're a student at Iowa State, University of Northern Iowa, or University of Iowa, we would love to connect you with a campus minister. So reach out to ccf.uiowa at gmail.com, and we will make sure we get you connected. Be sure to specify your school in an email. Additionally, if you have questions about anything you've heard today or anything that's on your mind, we would love a chance to answer that here anonymously. So you can also just drop a line there. Again, that is ccf.uiowa at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week, and please know that we are praying for you.